Welcome to Inside the Draft, a weekly preview of the upcoming NFL Draft with insiders from around the country. T-minus three weeks. Yes, we are three weeks away from the 2023 NFL Draft at the end of April. The Indianapolis Colts currently sit with the fourth overall pick. That's the first of nine picks in this draft class for the Colts at the moment, barring some trades. And speculation still swirling regarding the top of the draft and the quarterbacks and where they're going to land and who might trade up to grab them. We're going to break it all down today like we always do. Welcome inside our weekly installment of Inside the Draft. I'm Matt Taylor with Casey Vallier today. And our guest on the phone, one of the biggest draft names in the biz, Matt Miller is our guest from ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. Matt, appreciate your time today. I know you're busy. Let's hop right into the quarterbacks. We'll lead off with what do we know about the top draft quarterbacks now that we didn't know about a month ago at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis? Yeah, I I mean, I think most importantly, all the pro days are over. We've seen, you know, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Rickson, Will Levis uh, have their pro day. And I think for teams that that helps answer a lot of questions, you know, there's, there's no substitute for evaluating a quarterback in person to be able to see the way they throw the ball, to be able to see the velocity. Um, all those things matter uh, a lot. So we see it at the combine, obviously. See it at the pro day, a little bit of a more controlled setting, and now we'll get to the, the private workout portion of the pre-draft process. So, um, you know, for me as an as an analyst, I think the last month has kind of adjusted my rankings a little bit. Um, I still see Alabama's Bryce Young, Ohio State C.J. Stroud as the top players, but I think Florida's Anthony Richardson has has definitely gained momentum, and because of Richardson gaining momentum. It's pushed down Kentucky's Will Levis a little bit, but still four really good quarterbacks in this draft who myself and really anyone you talk to believe all four can be starters in the NFL. Yeah, you talk about those pro days, Matt. Who had the most impactful pro day in your opinion, right? The pro day that most helped themselves. I would say Bryce Young just by virtue really of the fact that he didn't throw at the combine and so there wasn't that opportunity you know if you guys remember when we left indianapolis or when when i left you guys stayed uh after the combine uh, all the talk was about anthony richardson and cj stroud uh, to some degree so i think bryce young just having that opportunity to go to the alabama pro day workout uh definitely helps him um and maybe not not help in terms of oh we've got a sliding scale on his stock right you put yourself back into the conversation. You know, you, you remind people of why you've been the guy for the last two years. You know, why are you – you were the Heisman Trophy winner. Why you were able to elevate – really, I mean, some of the people don't talk a lot about a very average Alabama team offensively this right. past year that he was able to elevate. So I think for Bryce, you know, you're putting yourself back into that mix as, hey, I, I, I belong here and I've been the guy. You know, wire to wire, he's been the top quarterback this year. So I think – a little bit of a, a reminder to NFL teams of why he is who he is. Now, for your perspective, as you said, the combine is over, pro days are over, so now it's the private individual workouts and those very important sit-downs, those interviews with these guys. From your perspective, how much will all of your information change because there's probably little that's getting out? How much? How does that affect these last couple weeks heading into the draft for you? It more so affects a mock draft than it does my rankings. Um, a peek behind the curtain, my rankings are, are set. Uh, it would take something really unforeseen to change anything at this point. You know, it would take an injury at a, at a workout, which we've, we've seen before it's happened, or take something off the field either happening or being disclosed. So that we won't see a whole lot of change there, at least for me. But I think for mock drafts, which is 
you know, it's what people pay attention to most uh, when, when folks like myself put out content. That is what will really start to – I'll try to hone in. You know, I, Carolina at one feels like it's a decision between two players. I'll try to hone in there, you know, which guy, you know, people, whoever I can get to talk in Carolina or people who are close to that situation. And you, you just kind of go down the list, you know, of, okay, what do we – what do we think is happening here at one? Okay, well, then what is that set up for two? And I think, you know, most importantly for you guys, what happens at number four? Now, let's stick with that. Let's play a little hypothetical game. With, with Carolina, let's say they traded up and C.J. Stroud's their guy, and then Bryce Young goes there at number two. Do you think it's pretty set whether Arizona stays at three or if, you know, let's say the Colts jump up, that it's going to be an order of Richardson and Will Anderson kind of being in those, or does Levis find a way to slide in and go at one, two, three, four at quarterbacks? Yeah, I, I think it depends on who has the pick, you know. Um, I feel like Arizona, if they're smart, and I, I think they they have a good front office there, they're going to hold on to that pick as long as they possibly can because yeah. you, the value is going to be the highest on Thursday night. You know, a right. Thursday night about 10 minutes into the draft is when you want to <laughs> trade that pick um, because you want to, you know, you want some momentum to make that happen. So I, I think, you know, the Colts specifically, I would lean more toward Will Levis because he's ready to play right away. I know a lot of people are going to connect Shane Steichen and the scheme they ran at Philadelphia when he was the offensive coordinator. They're going to look at Anthony Richardson and say, well, you could do the same thing. Absolutely could. Uh, I think Anthony needs a little more time to develop some of the mechanics to his game. So I would lean more Will Levis. Now, if it's Seattle or Detroit and they think quarterback, then it's then I would say more Anthony Richardson because they have established starters. Right. Um, same with the Las Vegas Raiders. You, you've got starters there that a player like Richardson could sit behind and learn from for a year. And, and not even not that he needs to learn the game. I shouldn't shouldn't phrase it like that. He just needs to, to make sure his mechanics are consistent. So it would give him time to see more football because he started 13 games in college uh, and then also have that time to really develop those mechanics and make sure that, that's, that it sticks when you get in crunch time and, and when you're starting to rely on muscle memory. It's Matt Miller. He's an NFL draft insider for ESPN, ESPN.com. Follow his work on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout is where you can find him. And, and Matt, there's a, a smattering of, of Colts fans within the fan base that say if the Panthers and Texans draft quarterbacks and those players are C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young in whatever order, for the Colts, they want some fans want the Colts to draft the best player available at four and then draft Hendon Hooker in the second round. I got a two-part question for you. What are the odds Hooker is still available in the early part of the second round? And then the second part is, Matt, where would Hooker rank among these quarterbacks if he didn't tear his ACL in November of last year? Yeah, I mean, I think that is definitely it's a strategy that's going to get floated out there a lot. I don't believe Hendon Hooker will be on the board at number 35 overall. Now, this time of year, I do feel like there is – we have to be aware of there's a history of mm-hmm. looking for that, you know, elusive next quarterback. Last year it was Desmond Ritter or Malik Willis. Hey, could they? Could these guys go late first round? You know, could they sneak in? Um, you know, even Jalen Hurts was that guy uh, the, the year he came out. So I'll say that with, you know, a, a little bit of a grain of salt added in. Right now I don't think Hendon Hooker will be there at 35. Uh, to your second question, I would probably – I mean, I would have a, a first-round grade on him if it weren't for the ACL. Um, I, I love Hendon Hooker. Um, I, I would have voted for him for the Heisman. I, I think he is a fantastic player. To see him go from Virginia Tech to Tennessee and have the best you know, touchdown-to-interception ratio of any quarterback in this class, he has 
NFL size. He has an NFL arm. He has the mobility we all want. Uh, he does just does not turn the ball over. He's a very clean prospect on and off the field. So I, I'm a I'm a Hendon Hooker fan, but I, I think a lot of NFL teams are going to be fans of Hendon as well. And it right. you know he's going to come into play. I feel like his talent is so good. He is going to come into play in the late first round, and that might be a trade a team trade back up. So maybe maybe your strategy is, hey man, we're going to take Will Anderson at four, and we're going to find a way back into the late first round so that we can get Hendon Hooker. If mm-hmm. that's the plan. I like it, and I talked to uh, to Hendon's uh, group. They think he's going to be ready sooner than later. You know, he tore the ACL November nineteenth. Those seem like six month injuries now, which is crazy to me. But that's a different conversation. But you know, if that's a six month injury, you're looking at you know late May, even even June if you're conservative mm-hmm. before he's ready to go. And you know, uh, I mean, we're looking at a guy that could be ready. You know, for for training camp and, and the preseason. So. And he's a, he's a starter to me. He's ready to go right away. He's started two years in the SEC. Like he's he's not a guy that has to sit and wait. So it would be it would be a very daring to say, hey, we're gonna make we're gonna get back up for this guy. I mean, you you've got to know your board and you've got to know what other teams are doing. But right, it would it would definitely be exciting. That's Matt Miller again at NFL Draft Scout, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst and Insider joins us. And uh, speaking of your Twitter account, I love it. You, part of your, your bio says, scout the player, not the helmet. And again, I love that line. So with that in mind, Matt, what do you say to the people that say they wouldn't draft C.J. Stroud because Ohio State hasn't churned down a lot of great NFL quarterbacks over the years that have produced in the NFL, played at a high level on Sundays because they're on they're on too good of teams, right? They're on too good yeah. of Ohio State teams with too much talent around them at the college level. What do you say to those people that are that are down on CJ Stroud just because of the helmet that he wore at the college level? I would say Joe Burrow played on the most talented college offense I've ever seen and he's doing just fine. <laughs> I like it. Kind of simple, right? When you it's like, hey, you know, we've it's good. You know, he did. He played with talented players, and they they're, absolutely they made his job easier at times. But also, you know, there's the old argument of did he make their job easier? Um, I'm old. Uh, do you guys remember watching Dan LaFever at Central Michigan? Oh, yeah. Hey, this quarterback's really good. No, it turns out Antonio Brown was really good, right? So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you know, it's, you, we learn these lessons, and, and you try to, to stick with that. And But I think, you know, sometimes it's the quarterback and the receiver who are pretty great, and time will tell on, on how much C.J. has helped those guys versus how much they've helped him. Now, I know in the, the conversation we've talked a lot about quarterbacks in this top ten, and then maybe guys like Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and maybe Tyree Wilson, but there's a handful of guys that are going to go in that top ten that maybe aren't getting enough pub you know, around leading up to the draft. Who are a couple of those guys that we look on this draft in a couple of years are going to go, like, those are some of the best players in this draft that maybe people weren't talking about leading into it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I think there's a lot of guys on defense that aren't getting talked about because we are so, you know, enamored with the quarterback prospects, and rightfully so. But I would highlight, you know, uh, Devon Witherspoon, the corner from Illinois, who has a chance to be a top 10 pick. Uh, It's just not been talked about, uh, even though he's just, you know, fantastic in coverage. He hits like he weighs 220 pounds, but he's 180 pounds. Um, His, you know, ability to, excuse me, lock down receivers is fantastic. He has proven ball skills. Uh, So he's someone I think will – instantly make a team better that is probably not getting a ton of talk but also you know illinois is not necessarily a football hotbed but yeah. but he's certainly a really good player lucas van ness from iowa is a really intriguing pass rusher uh he wasn't a starter at iowa because they favor upperclassmen and but his production is 
fantastic. And his length, his power, watching him work out at the combine, I could not believe how agile he was and, and the way he played in space. I mean, even doing like he was doing outside linebacker drops, zone drops, and, and attacking the ball as a you know pass coverage drill. It was fantastic. He didn't drop a single pass. So I think Van Ness is one of the – going to be a top 15 pick, but he's one of the secrets of this draft right now. Now you mentioned Witherspoon. One of the areas the Colts need to address because they lost Stephon Gilmore, Brandon Faison in the offseason. They haven't really signed anybody in the cornerback market. Who are some cornerbacks that maybe, you know, they aren't going to be taken in the first round, but maybe a day two pick that the Colts should keep an eye on? It's such a good deep corner class that I think you have a lot of options there. DJ Turner from Michigan is one of my favorite guys. He is the best press corner in the draft. He also ran you know, a 4-2-8 at the NFL Combine. So he has elite speed, uh, great also short area quickness and burst. I mean, he's just an easy mover. He needs coast up a little bit. Coming out of Michigan scheme, he can be a little bit handsy at times. But um, that, those are the traits that I think you can develop to have you know, NFL size and four two eight speed, and you've just dominated at the line of scrimmage. Those are, are the traits I would look for in a corner. That's Matt Miller with us. Casey Vallier trying to veer us off the topic of uh, quarterbacks. I'm bringing <laughs> us right back in. I am not steering away from it for too long. So I want to go just for you personally, Matt. You've been doing this a long time. I want to know wh- where does Richardson rank for you on the Enigma scale since you've been covering drafts, right? Never – in the passing league era uh, has a college quarterback with his mixture of experience and production become a great quarterback in the NFL. At the same time, no quarterback has had his measurables and his athleticism and and his talent um, given the same opportunity there. So where does Richardson rank on just hard to pinpoint and project what he is and what he can be? Yeah, so my first year professionally covering the draft was 2010, uh, so the 2011 draft. That was Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. And so it reminds me of that situation where, you know, Cam had been at Florida, couldn't get on the field because of some guy named Tim Tebow. So he, he, he leaves, goes Juco, transfers to Auburn, uh, and has that one year, played 14 games, only threw the ball under 300 times, uh, but was the greatest player in college football that year. Um so Richardson reminds me of that situation where and Richardson didn't have that level of success, obviously, but someone who just is so far outside of the mold of everyone else at the position that you have to look twice because of the, the size. I mean, he's just massive and the arm strength and the speed. I mean, he's got three runs over 80 yards this year for touchdowns. So all those things makes him stand out a lot. And as you mentioned, you know, there's also the the other side on the outlier of being a, a career 54% completion guy. Right, which right. Some of that, some of that drops. Absolutely, it is. Um, you, you have to factor that in, but some of it's also just bad passing, and you have to factor that into. So I think he is. You know, people make the comparisons to Cam Newton and Josh Allen for a reason because Cam and Josh were both, you know, enigmatic passers that had to improve their game to stick in the NFL. And I think you could throw Lamar Jackson in there as well, guys who just weren't that accurate in college that had to really work to get better and became good pros. And in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson's case, you know, great pros. And Cam had a, certainly a stretch in the NFL where he was at that level. So um, it, Anthony is unique, but also I think there are some guys you can look at and say, okay, there's a precedent here and there's a plan for how to make this work. Sticking with the quarterback theme, we saw last year Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy 
you know, he's playing in the NFC Championship game with the 49ers. Is that going to change the way that quarterbacks are drafted, you think, in this league with teams going to, you know, later in the, in the, in the draft, taking a flyer on a guy because of what you saw in Brock Purdy? I think so. Um, I do think we'll see a lot of quarterbacks drafted this year, whereas, you know, we kind of seen a, a, a trend where, you know, a lot of a lot of players weren't getting drafted late. It was like, I oh, will just pick the guy up as a UDFA. But I, I do think because of Purdy, also because, you know, the quarterback play is just, it's down. And right. even, you know, we're starting to see guys age out. You know, Tom Brady retires. Aaron Rodgers is, is you know, probably close to retirement. Um, so I, I do think we're going to see a lot of teams. You want to make sure you, you get the guy. And so, you know, I, I came up in an era where people were preaching the Ron Wolf philosophy as you draft a quarterback every year. The worst case scenario is the guy competes for a job, you know, right. and um, you have to have them. You have to have three. The 49ers taught us that in the playoffs. <laughs> so I do think, you know, this is a year where it's going to help guys. It's going to help the Stetson Bennett of the world. It's going to help the, the Jake Hainers from Fresno State. You know, it's going to help, uh, you know, those, those guys who maybe before would be trait deficient, so you're not going to draft them. But then you look at Purdy, who is the definition of trait deficient at quarterback. You know, right. He's undersized. He doesn't have a strong arm. Not very, not, you know, a super athlete. But he's just really accurate and he's really smart. And in the right scheme, we saw that can have a lot of a lot of production, a lot of success. So I, I do think Brock is, is going to get a lot of thank you cards from some of these quarterbacks <laughs> who otherwise wouldn't have been drafted. Now, final thing with you, Bernard Ryman, the Colts took in the third round last year. Very, you know, very new to the left tackle position. What was your grade on Bernard Ryman? And is there an offensive lineman in this year's draft that you can kind of put in that similar mold as like a, a third round guy that can evolve into a starter? Yeah, I liked Ryman last year. I mean, I did have him as kind of a developmental offensive tackle just because of the, the learning curve that was going to take place. I thought, you know, I thought last year he improved down the stretch, uh, which is, is what we needed to see. Um, someone that, hey, where you're at right now is not where you, we expect you to be. You know, you're a former tight end. You're basically just an athlete. Uh, I actually had a, a mid-round two grade on, okay. on Bernard coming up, coming out of Central Michigan, so I think he's you know drafted about where I expected and, and played as expected this past year. Uh, another guy who would be like him, uh, Wanya Morris from uh, Oklahoma would probably be my pick. Someone who's played left tackle, played right tackle, is a fantastic athlete, uh, but just needs to needs to learn the game a little bit, you know, especially in pass production. Uh, Chandler Zavala from NC State at guard, another guy, just highly athletic, really good player, just needs more time basically playing the position but uh this is a it's, it's not a top heavy offensive line class but it's a good offensive line class where i think you can got, get guys like that on day three that have the tools to become starters there you go matt miller nfl draft analyst and insider for espn matt what are you working on i know that your uh, your big mock draft is coming out soon is that is that what you're diving into diving into the mock draft but also you know it's still time to study players <laughs> right a lot of a lot of catch-up work right now making sure that you know, if there's a player I don't have 60 seconds of talking points about, I got to make sure I have those. So a lot of, a lot of tape study trying to get things finalized now. Well, there you go. Matt Miller, NFL draft analyst and insider for ESPN. Matt, thank you so much for the time. I know those next couple of weeks are a lot of fun, very busy, but definitely a fun time for you. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on.